0: Are you chopping at the bit to get out of the house and to have this quarantine over with? Except for the fact that there are questions at every corner. Tests available, tests not available. Vaccine near, maybe not, maybe so. Treatments, what's working, what's not. One day there's a drug that's looking hopeful, the next day that it's got side effects. What are we doing? Well, I'll tell you, I've got a great expert with me today, Dr. Max Gomez. He's a nine-time Emmy award-winning medical journalist. He's been in New York City for decades and one of the smartest guys that I know. And he is one of the most informed people I know about what's going on on anything, but with coronavirus in particular, the drugs, the treatments, the availability of resources, all of it. So join me. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator podcast. And as always, don't forget, please rate and review us and share it. Okay? We want more people healthy, learning these things so we can all stay safe and be healthy and strong hi all welcome to facebook live with sarah heinrich bottom line advocator we are back again and um i'm really excited today my dear friend max gomez is joining me and max max is one of the smartest people cbs tv medical journalist nine time emmy award winning medical journalist i love saying that about you max Um, (laughs) but truly one of the smartest people I know. And he has been a medical journalist and following all of the um, COVID-19 and coronavirus, every angle of it, whether it's treatments, whether it's vaccines. And he and I were joking that like every time I turn around, there's new news and my head's about to explode. Mm. I can't imagine what everybody else's head is doing because I'm reading this stuff and I'm keeping up on what's happening. Um, so we wanted to try and create a little bit of order and a little bit of understanding what's working, what's not, what's on the docket, what's realistic, right? Let's get a vaccine, let's get a vaccine. Is that really going to happen? And is it gonna happen anytime soon? Will it be safe? All those zillions of questions. So, huh, like, you know me, There's another one and another one and another one. Anyway, so Mm -hmm. welcome today, Dr. Max Gomez, CBS TV, awesome guy, and to everybody. Let me remind everybody of a few other things. Um, We'll be posting additional Facebook Lives, Um, I just scheduled a really exciting one with Dr. David Katz in a couple weeks. So I'm really excited for that. I'm not sure what we're doing next week yet. We'll see, um, share these. If you have questions or comments, type them in, all right. If you have any questions for Dr. Max, um, and I will work them in as best that I can. Um, we will rebroadcast. This will be available later on, but, um, come live. It's always nice. Tell your friends to come on, join us. Um, like our page, like our YouTube channel. I don't know what else we got all sorts of great stuff. All right, Max, let's start this stuff, all right? So overall, let's start super high level, okay? Um, Give me your like, you know, 30 second, you know, 10,000 foot in terms of where we are, bend the curve, like the curve is bending and yet suddenly we're talking about nobody should get sick again. Like, what's the the high level, you know, elevator pitch that you're seeing?
1: Well, you know, a lot of it depends, I think, on where you are, where you live. Um, I think that makes a big difference rural areas, either of upstate New York or, or around the country, um, have a very different experience than uh, those of us in New York City or, or in real urban areas. Um, it, and that's because, you know, we've, we've known this already for a lot of other viruses, population density makes a difference. And so um, it looks like at least in New York and some other places that have been really pretty proactive about uh, social distancing and closing things down and letting everything try to cool off, um, that we've so-called bent the curve. Um, <clears throat> the the uh, curve that I saw that uh, Governor Cuomo had on earlier today uh, showed a very the usual very sharp increase going up. Right. And it kind of plateaued for, you know, a few days. And now we've got this gradual tail. Right, which is awesome. Things are, things are slowing down. So I think it's all very helpful. Um,
0: Let me ask you this. Yeah. The, um, you're talking about the isolation and the, you know, the denser the population. Of course, more people are going to be exposed to it. Mm-hmm. Pablo came out last week talking about how, what is it, 60% of the people that were now coming to hospitals had been at home. So there was something right. else like quarantining was it? It's been helpful. I think we've done exactly the right thing. But there's other nuances to this in terms of like we'll we'll never be able to live hermetically sealed.
1: I did well exactly, and I did you know, and I did uh, uh, you know one of my I've been doing these little so-called max minutes where we uh, uh, answer viewer questions, and, and we had one uh, along those lines. Look, the virus doesn't just magically appear in somebody's house it doesn't come in through the roof it doesn't come in through the window screens or anything else what that tells me is that somebody in that house was out and got exposed or groceries
0: got delivered
1: the groceries got delivered the uh something
0: the the, the The mail got delivered amazon delivered
1: yeah but those are really low uh, probability events. The bigger probability is that, you know, these people have not been living, as you said, in, you know, hermetically in a bubble. They haven't been locked away. People have either gone out to work or they've gone out. Um, in fact, I talked to one of our reporters who said who was talking to his mother, and she said, "Well, I heard about all of this." Or, you know, Sophie, my neighbor, uh, got, you know, got sick, and he said, "Well, have you been out? have been Did you talk to him? Well, sure." Did you pay him? Well, yeah, how did you pay him? Well, I, you know, I handed him some money. But she thought she was perfectly isolated. Right. So, you know, there's, uh, it's not, it's not magic. The, you know, the virus is getting in with people bringing it into the house. Okay. They think that they're completely uh, isolated and haven't been uh, outside. I mean, they may have well, never have been outside, but somebody has and somebody brought it into the house.
0: All right, so now let's go the other way. Okay. What percent? how, what, how many people do they think best estimate have actually been exposed to the antibodies? Because again, as they start testing more, they're finding that anywhere from what 10 to 20 or 30% of the population, 20 to something like that probably yeah. has been exposed at this point when they did Santa Clara, they did, um, I guess it was New York state as well. There've been a few places where they've kind of tracked that.
1: To be honest with you, I'm not really good on, on the exact numbers and, the, right. and it's moving target. Uh, depending on where you know where you're doing the testing and who you're talking to, with that, uh, to find out how many. Eventually, they think that you know 60% of the population will be um, uh, exposed. But um, that's you know whether you're exposed or not is not really the issue. It's whether you get sick or not.
0: Right. But exposure. So can you get like you know they talk about herd immunity right? Mm-hmm. I guess that 60 to 70% is where they'll say that there's theoretical her- herd immunity. But if I have exposure, even if I didn't get sick, like just how, like being exposed to germs, like does that reduce either A, reduce, you know, reduce my chances of getting sick and or B, improve my chances of not getting it badly?
1: When you say germs, what do you, are you talking about just germs in general or are you talking about coronavirus? Well, talking
0: about corona, well, talking about corona in, in, in particular, but in general, isn't that kind of what happens with life? We're exposed to germs, our immune system exercises, yeah.
1: no, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, you need, you know, we lead probably too clean a life right. uh, in, in the way we live these days. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up and probably you, you know, we ate dirt. You know, we played, out, it's you know really we, dirt. we played out, you know, and we had dirt all over us and, you know, that's how we, you know, that's how we lived. And if, you know, if we could get away with not taking a shower or a bath every day, you know, we, we did it unless our parents threw us in the bathtub. So, um, so yeah, being exposed to germs is a good thing, but you know, it keeps the immune system working, but you need to also be specific about some of these things. This coronavirus is completely new. Yes which is why we why it's been so uh, spread like wildfire, because yeah. we don't have any kind of real immunity built in because there was any cross-reactivity because it looks like some other right. virus or something else that we've had because it's a brand new virus. That's why it's really gone, gone nuts. But what was the other part of, of your question?
0: I'm probably going off in the weeds a little bit here, but is there an aspect to it that even if I didn't get sick, that just when there are germs in the world, like your body gets a little bit of immunity to it, just that it's there, that it's out there, that you don't have to have been sick to be able to have some of it flying around?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there's the issue that there, there, the, the, the number that's going around is that 80% of people uh, get this, um, and I don't know if it's all 80%, uh, may not even know that they, that they got it. They were exposed to it, they got it. Now, the question is, um, and that's where the antibodies come in, and the antibody testing is that right. will tell you that you've been that you've been exposed and you recovered. The assumption is, but that's not really proven, a hundred percent scientifically, is that having those antibodies, being having been exposed and recovered, whether you realize it, whether you realize it, whether you got sick or not, you got those antibodies. Everybody says, well, okay, now I'm protected.
2: Maybe we don't,
1: we don't know that. Right. We don't know that for sure. It's the assumption. Other coronaviruses don't give you that much protection. You right. might have some protection for a while, right. but it, it's probably not uh, 100%, and, it probably, and it's not lifelong. It, might, it may last for a couple of years, but it's not going to be a lifelong uh, immunity.
0: And is that because certain viruses morph, like you know, the common cold is a coronavirus, and we get it repeatedly, right. versus chicken poc- pox is not a coronavirus, and you're one and done,
1: and right. or, or or measles off. or, or, or right. some of those other, All right. other viruses. Uh, you know that's not clear. It it, it I don't think um, looking at say SARS or MERS, some of those other coronaviruses. Um, you know they they don't. More for mutate quite as much as certainly like the the, the flu virus, right. so it just may be something inherent that you know other germs and other viruses uh, some confer these long life lifelong immunities and others just don't, and we don't really know exactly why that is. So it it, it may be it doesn't have anything it may not have anything to do with with uh, the virus mutating. And it just may be that our immune system and these viruses just. Learn to get along, I guess. I don't know, or don't get along. Like, maybe we have
0: friendly back bikes viruses in our bodies, like we have friendly bacteria. Wouldn't that be a surprise?
1: (laughs) Um, A lot of viruses that stick around in our body—they may or may not be friendly.
0: Well, that's true too. They they kind of go dormant. Speaking of chicken pox and shingles, um, let's talk. You you mentioned testing, so let's why don't we talk about testing a little bit? So there's so there seems to be a lot of chat about testing being critical to being able to get out and this need to test everybody. Um, and there's, every time I turn around, I think I heard this morning, there are 500 different companies that are have been approved to develop tests and there's antibody tests and there's, um, Hmm. you know, the swab tests and there's the, you know, so what's, what's important. Let's, let's try that because I don't want to, we don't need to go down every piece of it, but like, what's the important aspect of it that people, need to know, like, are they, are they working? Like,
1: the go. Test, well, I mean, <laughs> testing is important so that we know who's infected, who has been infected, uh, you know, who is uh, prone to being infected because they, they, they haven't been exposed at all. And
0: we Why? I, they go to the hospital. I talked to Joe Feuerstein a couple weeks ago, who's in the ICU at, at Stanford Mm -hmm. hospital. They said, they come to the hospital. If they're sick enough, I mean, I guess they're testing. I don't remember if they're testing everyone or not. If they're sick enough, they stay and they treat them. If they're not sick enough, they go home and get told to drink water and rest. So you want to know if you had it so that maybe it'll protect you because we were just talking about, you're not sure if you're fully protected or not. Mm -hmm. So in some ways I'm going to call, so what? And I don't mean it because I know testing is important.
1: Well, here here's the thing: when when the when the ER docs are saying if you're not really that sick, right. we'll send you at home. Right. That has that really has much more to do with: do we have enough capacity to bring everybody into the hospital? And they also kept- don't
0: there's something to treat it, though. I mean, they were saying like if you have a mild case of it, it wasn't like they were they they don't have a treatment at this point in time.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some things that that are in the works, but also what's going on is that that what we have to be careful about is because there there are a fair number of cases also where people have the virus, they're somewhat sick, they're not so sick that they require hospitalization, and then they get get sent home and they get hit by the second wave that seems to happen to people where the virus, you're sick for a while, you seem to get better, you're okay, and then suddenly it comes back gangbusters and you get sick and die in a very short period of time.
2: Right.
1: So, uh, so the the sending them home because you're not sick enough is you don't want to be in the hospital anyway if you don't really have to be.
0: Right.
1: A lot of that has most
0: people, as you said, uh, don't get it that badly.
1: Um, a lot of that has to do with oh my, hang on. Okay, do you have an emergency? You guarantee that somebody is going to try to call you when you're in the middle of doing something else.
0: The great thing about Facebook live is that we're also human in the middle of it <laughs> and you have to go on air later. So, you know, I, I got you to sneak this in before you're on TV.
1: Oh, anyway. So the, um, the testing tells you kind of where, where you are and whether or not your illness is uh, a flu virus or a bad cold or something else that's causing a, a, a fever or aches and pains or, or some sort of pneumonia and and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this virus causes, we're finding out, causes a lot of other things other than a lung issue and respiratory issues. Right, it's,
0: it's really a circulation disease more than a respiratory disease.
1: Right. I mean, it causes what they call coagulopathies. It, it, it messes with your blood clotting so that you tend to um, clot blood when you shouldn't be, your blood clots when it shouldn't be clotting. And that's what's leading to some of the strokes, heart attacks. Like uh, micro infarcts. That's why people are saying at, at autopsy they're finding uh, damage to the liver, to kidneys, and other organs. And that comes because they probably had little micro blood clots in there. So right. the virus, as it turns out, is causing all sorts of other problems, other than the lung problem. But that's what you want to find out: is uh, if it's not corona, then let's figure out what it is and what else is going on. If it is we're starting to get a handle on 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 what we what we need to do not a great one because we're we're this is this is battlefield medicine we're learning as we go along
0: right so let's so now the, so with the testing again i'm in no way saying don't test at all so i'm mm-hmm. just trying to figure out the usefulness because because they're guessing on the treatments now also how accurate are they max you know and there was the a lot tests- of talk about false negatives i don't know i don't know if there's as many false positives as false negatives
1: Probably, wow. and and that's where the you know the FDA, you know under the circumstances now they're probably approving tests uh, under what they call emergency use, uh, emergency utilization, right. um, that they probably un, under other circumstances wouldn't be approving, but it, they've got to be in the, at least in the, in the high eighties. I, I love this. How can how can it be that <laughs> they calling? here in the middle of this hello good good i'd have to call you back i'm live on facebook right now
0: so a bunch of people hanging on your every word about whether or not corona I'm tests neither. are working
1: all right we're two for two so far um
0: you're very popular i said you're very important
1: <laughs> important and popular are two different things Oh well. Okay. Um, so, uh, now where was I? So, so we were, we were talking,
0: talking about the tests and the accuracies and the chances right. of the false so negatives on I it and, and want, in fact false positives as well.
1: We want these things to be in the 90% plus, uh, range. Uh, but there's such a wide variety of these things, um, that we don't have a good handle on, uh, on what they are. So a positive test is probably real, is mm-hmm. more likely to be real, Right. negative test, it depends. If you're still symptomatic, you want to be retested uh, you know, fairly, in, in fairly short order. How um, about
0: the, um, the IgG tests, like the later yeah, on? Where, whether or not you'd had it, are there false negatives going on that as well?
1: Well, there are, so yeah, let's go back to, there are different kinds of tests. The, the original, the, sort of the nasal swab test that everybody was originally talking about um, looks at the uh, genetics of the virus itself. That one is difficult to do in in a sense. It's it's expensive. It's also prone to some um, contamination because what you're doing is taking the genetics of just a, a handful of these little viruses that might be in there and putting them in a system that multiplies it millions of times. And so it doesn't take much to contaminate that. But anyway, that one is fairly accurate, but it's expensive and takes time to get the results back. Okay. Um, then there's another one now called the antigen test that was just recently. That also looks directly at the virus. There are some other direct...
0: And that's for if you're sick right now. That's yeah, have on that. the spot. You've got symptoms. How do we treat it? Is it this or something You've else? Got
1: the virus right now. And so you could be shedding virus. You're infectious. You're likely to be or be getting sick. Then the antibody test is you're looking for your body makes antibodies in response to an infection, whether it's a bacteria or a virus um, or some other uh, invader, right? Um, There are different antibodies. The ones called IgM tell you that you probably have an ongoing infection right now. Those are kind of short-lived. You know, they go up, boom. I got IgM, yeah. But IgG says you've been exposed. And you and and you had this virus at some point. If you're feeling fine, you've recovered. This is the same test, essentially, in the same antibodies. They've been around forever. Not the same antibodies, the same antibody test. They've been around forever. HIV testing was that. Right. Testing for HIV. That's they medicine. all
0: are. I mean, chickenpox is. It, I keep bringing for, up chickenpox, Epstein Barr. It's
1: all the same. They're looking, they're looking for those antibodies now. A couple of things about those. One is it takes. Uh, from previous other studies looking at other coronaviruses, it probably takes about a month before you really develop enough antibodies there, IgG antibodies, to be um, detectable, Mm -hmm. okay? So it's not like, you know, I got infected and, you know, tomorrow I can be tested and see if my antibodies are up. Right. That's number one. Number two is those antibodies may not be protective. They may not be what are called neutralizing antibodies. Just because you make antibodies doesn't mean that you're protected. HIV, people who are infected with HIV, with the AIDS virus, they make plenty of antibodies, but they're still sick and they still have AIDS or they still can get AIDS if they're not taking all the their
0: antibodies. But in that case, it's anti- the, the antibodies are to that virus. It's not to other stuff, right? right. So yeah. HIV, it suppresses their immune system. They're now vulnerable to other things, but the virus, sure. is, Yeah, they're, still not like they're getting the virus again. They got it
1: but not because of the antibodies, it has nothing to do with it. Right, no, I understand
0: that. Right.
1: Like So you have, you have antibodies, people are saying, oh, I've, I've got the antibodies, I'm protected. Not necessarily. There but are a lot we of don't know. Is
0: that because we don't know that this virus is gonna morph or not?
1: No, no, it's just, no. Again, well, you, you can have um, and never be exposed to more than one strain of HIV. You have antibodies.
0: Right.
1: But those antibodies aren't protecting you against the virus.
0: Right. so at this point, so the, the core issue then is that we don't know at this moment in time if coronavirus is a single strain virus or if it's a multi-strain virus, or like if there are multiple strains of it, or if it's going to morph. So the- yeah,
1: it, it, it might, but it, but again, that doesn't make any difference in, in terms of whether, whether the antibodies are protective or not. So you
0: can mm-hmm. have antibodies that just don't protect you? Exactly. What if I could- I'm
1: saying. In HIV, right. you have one strain of HIV. And, and they're not protecting you. There, people, okay. a, a people, uh, people with AIDS have make plenty of antibodies and they may, and they, they may have only been been exposed to one strain of that, but the antibodies aren't protected. And okay, that I'm can, I'm gonna, virus, the main viral, the main part of the immune system that really protects you against viruses are your T cells. Right. That's, those are different that's, than the cells that make the antibodies.
0: Right. That's your frontline defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, so you've got you've got antibody, you've got cells, B cells that make antibodies, and you've got T cells right. that are actually the killer cells that go after yeah. uh, uh, the virus or the virus virally virus infected cells. Right. So you'll you you the antibody test will tell you that you've been infected, and so the assumption now is that you can go out because you 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 will likely be protected. Probably, but we don't know that hundred percent.
0: Well. And I'm going to jump to a treatment issue and then I'll I'll come back to to this in a second. Okay. But they're doing this um, plasma treatment where they're taking blood plasma from people that have been sick, Mm -hmm. injecting it to people that are very sick. Right. Supposedly, it's helping them.
1: Right. And so that's one piece of evidence that looks, that suggests that in fact uh, these antibodies are protective. Right. uh, uh will give you some immunity at least for a while, so that's one piece of evidence for that. Okay. However, in South Korea and in China, there have been reports that people who got infected, confirmed uh, infection with coronavirus got reinfected.
0: Later from right. the blood from the blood donation?
1: No, 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 not from now. Having nothing to do with the blood donation.
0: They just got it again. I got,
1: I got the coronavirus, okay. and right. I recovered. I've right. got the antibodies, right? Now a week later, a month later, or whatever, I can get. I got reinfected with uh, with the coronavirus. Okay. So that uh, that suggests that those antibodies that you made didn't protect you.
0: Or did it never go away? Did you just not?
1: No, know? Yeah, you know that's a possibility. Depending a possibility. on the state was of your a, body. A, strain uh, that came along. Yeah, there's a couple. Or your your immune system didn't kick it fully. Yeah. So I mean that's what I'm getting at is we're right. still learning a lot about about this. So we don't know 100 percent. About any of this stuff, any of this so, stuff,
0: really. Let me ask you one last question on testing. And we've got, I've got a bunch of questions coming in here, and I've got, what, what's our hard stop, Max? Because <laughs> everyone's got a lot of questions coming on. Okay. Um, so, on the testing, let me go back to, and I don't know if you can answer this. Okay. Some of the tests, there are, again, all these different test companies. Some, I call it, are more reliable than others, but you don't, like, is there any way for someone who wants a test to choose? the tests that they get. Like if I know, I'm making this up. So, but I know Abbott Labs is developing a test. I know Sanofi is developing a test. Different type, like they're both antibody tests, but different whatevers. I'm just using those names as examples of companies Mm -hmm. in the business. Do I, can you, can you request it? Like, is there any control the patient has as these are being developed that one of them is further along or they've heard, you know, that, that has been reported as more effective so that you want this one versus that one?
1: In other words, can you do mommy shopping when it comes to tests?
0: Or something like that, right? Get all that, those Facebook groups, right, of all the moms. Which test did your kids have? Mine had this one. Yeah.
1: Right. So in, in an ideal world or situation, and maybe a year from now or two years from now, where there are lots of tests out there and, and they've been verified um, that, you know, that which ones work and so forth, you might be able to, at this point, there's not enough of that, there's not enough of the testing around. You could go shopping to a hospital or to your doctor's office and see what they have, but it's not like your doctor has, you know, three or four of the different tests and you can pick and choose, you know, one from column A and one from column B. So there's the antibody test, which means you, you may have been exposed, but ideally you would have had to have been exposed, you know, at least a month ago, earlier. Yeah, or the actual active um, nasal swab is most of them. Now there's some other companies, and I've talked to people, CEOs of a couple of different companies that are using completely different technologies. Uh, There's one that's in front of the FDA right now. In fact, I think yesterday or today um, they were meeting again with the FDA. That from a little, you know, like a diabetes pinprick on, uh, on the finger uses a drop of blood. In fact, this company. Uh, was a diabetes company testing company, or still is? Okay. But they, they've completely read or adapted their and reconfigured their technology to look for the actual virus particles in mm-hmm. that drop of blood. Now they say, you know, and I, I, you know, I have no way of knowing whether it's true, but they've gone to the FDA, and the FDA so far has has uh, you know bought their data, their story. Is that they're in the 95% accuracy range, and this thing takes 30 seconds.
0: And this, is this the one that they're talking about an at home test besides?
1: Well, is they're making the, the first thing that they're trying to put out is what they call a point of care that'll go to doctors' offices yeah. and, and hospitals and so right. forth. But they also have an at home version right. that they have also now put in front of the FDA. Um, right. They're not that expensive. Um, and in 15 to 30, 45 seconds, you get an answer from a little pinprick. Right. So um, so anyway, there there are other technologies out there. But right now, I don't, you know, until we have lots and lots of these out there, I don't know that you can actually pick and choose uh, which one other than I'm I'm sick now, I don't feel right, and I need the, you know, the actual PCR test, oh. looking for the actual uh, virus versus antibody test, you know. I was to- sick a month
0: ago. My husband was very sick the, the beginning of March. Horrible mm-hmm. cough. I honestly, I thought he had, it. he didn't have a fever. And this was before it was that big a deal. And one night he was actually having a tremendous amount of difficulty breathing and I could have sworn he had it. Um, he went, he had an antibody test this weekend and they said it was negative. Really? I honestly don't believe it.
1: I don't know. Well, yeah, um, I mean, it could, it could be a false negative, that's it's still possible. Yeah.
0: But no. Um, to be, to think, well, there's a question from somebody, is there any natural way to build up antibodies aside from exposing yourself?
1: No. To build up antibodies?
0: Can you, can you get antibodies to something in some other way other than getting it?
1: There are vaccines that are what are called passive vaccines. Sure. Hepatitis A, before now there's a real vaccine to hepatitis A, but a few, up until a few years ago, the only quote unquote vaccine to hepatitis A was getting IgG antibodies. Right. That, that were purified from people or, uh, who had gotten, or rabbits, I, I'm not really sure where they came from, um, that had been exposed to hepatitis A virus, and you got a slug of hepatitis A, IgG right. antibodies. Right. So, uh, Which is,
0: again, like this plasma treatment.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. exactly, exactly. So, uh, but in terms of, is there any other way? Because these antibodies, they're not generic for right. the most part. They're very specific right. for a very specific germ, virus or whatever. Right. Hepatitis A or HIV or uh, COVID, uh, you know, coronavirus. Uh, they're very specific. So it's not like you can, in general, build up antibodies. Now, in general, you can strengthen, you can somewhat strengthen your immune system so right. that it's ready to respond if it gets if it gets attacked by a virus or so forth. Yeah. And hopefully then you will be able to more quickly respond and make more antibodies. That's a, that's a slightly right, different. That's
0: your body doing what it's supposed to, but it's not, it's not having those. It's not like you can't buy them, can't buy them on the shelf next to the toilet paper. That's not there. Have a drink of it. And then you, you know, like prebiotics. The next thing they are going to be selling is, you know, drinkable COVID antibodies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um So, now hold on. I cracked myself up. Um, to be clear, because there's been a lot of argument about testing and whether we were slow on testing, and why has it taken so long on testing, based on what we're saying, I must be clear, this is hard stuff that, right So that it is right? hard.
1: It is hard stuff, but it's hard stuff that a lot of other people in countries managed to do way before we did. Are we sure those are accurate and working better? South Korea, I think, reported I don't know ten cases, ten deaths, or ten. Maybe it's even ten cases. They were right on right on it immediately. Now they also did contact tracing, which is a different, a whole different part right. of control. But they controlled theirs uh, immediately. Yeah, you know that we we do know and believe that those other tests were accurate. China immediately released with within by the by early January, the first week or so released um, the uh, genome, the sequenced genome of the coronavirus. And that is the basis of all of these nasal swab tests, right? Um, And the problem was, apparently, we had bad reagents. We needed, instead of being able to piggyback on other people's um, tests that were being developed, the CDC and so forth insisted on developing their own. You know, I don't remember the the details exactly, but they didn't do a great job. They didn't have the right reagents and so forth. So yeah, we were slow in getting yeah. off getting off the mark on that, as opposed to and compared to uh, some other countries. You know, why and how it happened, and you know who's to blame. That's above my pay grade.
0: I'm not, and I'm not in finger pointing. And the levels of bureaucracy and the the rules and the protection. You know, they've they've broken down a bunch of rules. You know, they're rushing with the vaccine. We'll talk about the treatments. It takes years to thoroughly test this stuff, and to be sure for safety reasons and for That's testing, like you want it to be accurate. So we've got mm-hmm. so much built into our system for safety and protection that now to break down those rules so that we can rush stuff to market, it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't.
1: And vaccine is exactly where this is happening big time, and where people need to know about this. to right, talk, talk about now? Yeah,
0: let's start vaccines, and then we'll go to treatments.
1: So, so when. Uh, Fauci and others, and a lot of others, including companies, uh, say that we might have a vaccine available in 12 to 18 months uh, or we'll have a vaccine, quote-unquote, available by the end of the year. First of all, you have to understand what they mean by available. And uh, in 12 to 18 months, people are delusional They are delusional if they think that we will have a vaccine in 12 to 18 months under the way vaccines are normally tested for safety and efficacy. It ain't happening. And briefly, why is that? All you want on on that. And here's why. Phase one in a vaccine, there there are now 100 or more so-called candidate vaccines out there, right? Maybe a dozen at most, I think, are actually in what are human trials. Safety trials. Phase one, you give it to somebody and make sure they don't drop dead on you. Or it doesn't, you know, something bad doesn't Your arm happen.
0: doesn't fall off, right.
1: Right. So that's phase one. Then phase two, you now escalate the doses. You think that it appears to be safe. You've got more volunteers. It's a bigger trial. And you now start to look for, does this, in fact, um, generate an immune response? Do you make antibodies? Do you make killer T cells that are going to go after the virus? And you evaluate that in the person, and you evaluate, you take their blood, you see how fast and how high their um, uh, immune response goes, um, depending on the doses and so forth, right? And again,
0: and they also have to do it, there's so many population nuances men versus women right. different well, ages, it, other right. at, this point, at this point
1: they're not at this point they're not getting too right. far down down that road right.
0: so basically now, they're healthy humans at this moment right,
1: right. it looks like uh, they're all healthy humans is, is what we're going to do
0: i mean sure. purely healthy humans it's not like they've got a laundry list of other medications or conditions that they've
1: got no, no, no. right 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 because right. that, that's going to complicate everything right. so assuming all of that goes according to plan It looks like they're safe, and it looks like you've generated an immune response, right? Now you go to phase three. That is the part that you can't accelerate. Phase one and phase two, they've already cut some corners and things and accelerated it to get it to where we are now much more quickly than than normally happens, right? Phase three, here's what you have to do with phase three. You have to give the vaccine to tens of thousands of people. Uh, the uh, HPV vaccine was given to 30,000 people. Uh, one of the other uh, pediatric respiratory ones went to 40,000 people. They go usually between 30 to 40 to 50, 60,000 people, healthy volunteers that you give it to, right? Right. And then you have to wait. These things normally take three, four, sometimes a decade. You have to wait and see, what the natural rate of infection is in this vaccinated group versus a controlled unvaccinated group thousand people who didn't get the vaccine who are matched for age um gender um, underlying conditions on and on and on right so you can't accelerate that ethically except now it is being considered that we will now, it is actually being a seriously proposed, and this is the only way that it will get a, a vaccine within you know, some period, of, a short period of time. What is now being proposed is to take a group of healthy volunteers, give them the vaccine, and then deliberately try to infect them. To expose them in a petri dish. Expose them to the coronavirus. Ethically, that's never been done.
0: And go get 30,000 people to volunteer that.
1: Well, in this case, you wouldn't need 30,000. You need well, that, the 30,000 because you, don't, you, know, you, you have to have a huge population to compare back and forth. Here, you could do it with a much, much smaller group. And obviously, you could do it in a very short period of time. I'm going to give you the vaccine. I'm going to give wait a few weeks or a month or two. Then I'm going to try to give you the coronavirus. And let's see what happens. Do you get sick? Do you die? And what's going on?
0: Oh, but no. again, no, Max. So, but but, you know, you're going to give it to other people. The people that are getting it the worst, and the people that are dying from this, are older people. They're obese people. They're diabetics. They've got yeah. systems there. So, who do you test it against, right? Do you test it in those populations?
1: Well, not if you, no, if you're going to do, these are called human challenge trials. Right. They're going to do human challenge trials. That part of the weakness of the human challenge trial, because to do it ethically, they're going to pick young people who are at at very, at the lowest possible risk for dying. So they're going to be 21 to 30, say, somewhere around there, healthy and a few other things that you know they'll be tested and looked at to make sure they don't have other underlying things, lung problems, diabetics, uh, they're not obese, and so forth, have normal blood pressure, and, and so forth. So they're looking for these healthy, young volunteers. So that'll give you an idea as to whether the vaccine works, but it won't give you an idea whether it'll work in somebody who is a diabetic, obese person with COPD. Nor do you know if it'll be risky to them. Well, yeah, exactly. I
0: mean, there, are, because, there are reactions to vaccines. There's always talk about that. Sometimes, you know, you get a little bit of it, and will that if you have COBd? If you have,
1: is, yeah. What happens sometimes with with uh, vaccines is you get what's called an an enhancement. A vaccine can actually make the disease worse. So that's the other thing. That's usually what you're looking for in phase two. But some of these unusual side effects, you won't know until you've vaccinated tens of thousands of people. To see whether these rare, relatively rare side effects crop up. They might not crop up in you know in a test group of five hundred people. Right. And then but in five thousand people or fifty thousand people, some things, some of these things may crop up.
0: And then back to what we were saying before, we don't even know if this is a, a single antibody, single strain virus. So like the flu virus. Right. right. So they they make their best guess every year. Everybody thinks they're protected by the flu vaccine, yeah. and that works on average 50 percent.
1: But Tara, I'm I'm not as worried about that issue at this point with the coronaviruses. Okay. Even though there are some mutations here, the parts of the virus that seem to be really important for infection seem to be what are called what's called conserved. They're they're relatively stable, as okay. opposed to the flu vaccine. You know, this or the flu virus, right. you know it's, it's mutating like crazy all, right. all the time. With the coronavirus, it looks like the, the mutations that they've seen are not significant enough to really call it, say that, there, that it's a different virus. Um, okay. so, so, right. that, so the vaccine uh, may be okay for a while. but again, in um, either SARS or MERS, one of the other um, coronaviruses, your antibodies and the protection from it seem to wane significantly over a period of just a few years. So it may not be that it's a different strain, it just may be that your body just forgets about it after a while.
0: And then you have to be revaccinated?
1: Revaccinated. Okay, did clearly. Right. All right yeah. So
0: then, okay, so vaccine is a long time away. Testing except
1: is- that they're going to try to accelerate it by that. And and by the way, when they say, well, we have one available. That just, that you got to read between the lines. Well, we'll have a vaccine available by the end of the year. That means we'll have a vaccine ready for either phase one or phase two testing by the end of the year, or maybe for phase three human challenge trials. So you have to read between the lines to see when they say available, what that really means. That doesn't mean that it's ready to, to roll out. And, you know, here's another problem that I have with the vaccine, by the way and then we'll we'll get into the treatment stuff is let's say we find a vaccine that is safe and effective you know we're we're in you know we're in perfect land and we've got a safe and effective vaccine who do you give it to are you going to vaccinate the entire planet seven point something billion people because seven point something billion people are theoretically at risk here Mm -hmm. number one so we're going to start by giving it to a few couple of, you know, tens of thousands or a couple hundred thousand frontline, you know, responders, nurses, doctors, um, you know, firemen, police, uh, you know, grocery stores, like Grubhub guy, uh, Amazon people. Um, <laughs> of
0: course it or is at their choice.
1: Right. So who are you going to give it to? Right. How, how are you going to scale up to now? Not just, You know, a few hundred thousand, or uh, even a couple of million. We're not talking about scaling up to billions of doses, which we may have to keep giving and giving and giving. And who's going to pay for this? Who's going to buy? Who's going to pay for a billion doses of this? And and some of these vaccines are going to be very expensive to manufacture. That said, Max, is it cheaper to do that than to lock us
0: all in our house and spend trillions of dollars on lost income, increased suicide, like all the cost of this.
1: No, I get that. But somebody will still have to come up with the money. Yes. For vaccinating people. Yeah. One is sort of a lost opportunity, a cost of lost opportunity. Right. And the other one is I've got to come up with it's a real bottom line dollar. It's, but now it. you have a front
0: end cash thing. Who's going to pay for it?
1: Yeah. Right. Right. And especially if you're going to vaccinate developing countries. Because if you don't vaccinate everybody, you might as well not vaccinate anybody. Because if there's a significant reservoir, uh, population a reservoir of virus in a population somewhere in the world, it ain't staying there. It's coming back.
0: Well, again, so is the goal have a system that can handle it, or is the goal extinction? Now they extincted smallpox, so, and I don't want to get off into that discussion, right?
1: right? Extinction ain't gonna happen.
0: Right. So then we have to stop expecting it to happen. And now let's, let's talk about treatments because in fact, that really is, it's here. It's going to be here. We'll talk, hopefully, hopefully we'll be done shortly. Um, We'll talk a little bit about what to expect as the cities and and country starts opening up because we're going to have these little spikes that are going to pop up. Can the system handle it? But what do you like? So treatment, what's working, what's got the, you know, what's, what's got the best, chances of stuff right now because I to me if we got treatments which isn't it doesn't cure it but it helps people from from dying of it
1: this is exactly where i want to go right this is this is a point and i've talked to now a number of people who say we're putting our effort and money into a vaccine thinking that that is what's going to solve all our problems here but the fact is that probably 90%, but certainly more, more than 80% of people who get the coronavirus, right, recover right. without any real significant, you know, they may feel really crappy for a while, uh, but they recover. They don't die. Um, they hopefully won't suffer any real permanent longer or organ damage, but let's say 80, 90% get it and they recover right so are we smart enough to be spending hundreds of millions or actually billions of dollars working on a vaccine for the 10 or 15% who might actually get sick and really need it or should we focus our uh, our research on finding an effective treatment that is really a more targeted treatment for just the people right. who really need it by well, the people who are actually getting sick, right? Yes, right. And so that's where we really, I think, it makes more sense. You know, we're we're in this stage where, oh my God, I'm just waiting for the vaccine, and that's what's going to, you know, the, the clouds will right. part mm-hmm. and everything will be wonderful again. Yes, but it's it's not realistic, and it's certainly right. not realistic in the short run. Right. Well, yes. Yeah, so that- who knows? So should we be focusing on treatments? All right, so what treatments are we going to talk about?
0: So all right, So what do we got? So there's remde- so, all right, let's talk about remdesivir. That seems to be the leader of the pack at the moment.
1: Yeah, remdesivir is an antiviral that was originally uh, developed uh, to, to try to do something about Ebola. It wasn't very uh, helpful uh, or successful with, with Ebola. And it has, I got to tell you, I was, I was somewhat surprised to hear Tony Fauci um, Say that remdesivir is is now uh, should now be the standard of care. I think were his were were, were his words or something to that effect, uh, because its effect is modest. And he even in in his testimony before the uh, Senate yesterday, um, uh, he uh, said as much as that you know look remdesivir is, you know the effect there is kind of modest. It took people who normally took 15 days to get better. Mm-hmm their coronavirus infection, and they got better in 11 days. And as far as I know, they have yeah. not been able to demonstrate any survival benefit. So has, words, okay. it, 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 Now, it may turn out to be, as they keep giving it to people and they keep gathering more data, that people who get remdesivir okay. do survive at a greater number, at a greater rate than people who don't. But that initial study didn't even, did not find that there was a survival benefit. And it, thinking, at what
0: stage are they giving this to people? I think they're pretty sick already, right? This food is
1: food not is a... Part food. of the problem also right. with testing, which is how the, which is how drugs usually are tested, uh, is that you give the drug to people who got, you know, a foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel, and then you look to, and hope that something is going to happen. Well, you know, if it has an effect there, then it's probably going to have an effect in a lot of other places. The the fact is that it's likely, again, not unlike HIV-AIDS, uh, that we will a, need a cocktail of various drugs together
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that we need to give it at a much earlier stage in the disease. If you wait until, in HIV-AIDS, until somebody's T-cell count, you know, you can count on the fingers of a couple of hands, you're not going to, the, the, the probability or likelihood of being able to, pull them back from the ledge, right. it's vanishingly small. Right. The idea is you get them when okay, we know you're infected. We know that your T cell count may not even wait. As long as we know that you're infected. You don't even wait for the T cell count necessarily to go down. You give them this cocktail of drugs, and that maintains your T cell count. Right. And you never get AIDS. You actually you're, you're infected. You have HIV. You have the virus, but you never get AIDS because right. the virus isn't multiplying like crazy and killing all your, your killing your immune system so it's likely that we need to do that in corona find something and give it at an earlier stage hydroxychloroquine
0: but before we go there let me ask before i do her because i'm going to hydroxychloroquine uh, sure. remdesivir because again mm-hmm. side effects of remdesivir
1: the main side effect from remdesivir um Oh, no, I'm talking about something else. I'm thinking, I'm, back to, I'm thinking about hydroxychloroquine.
0: Well, I know that was a big thing about the, the um, electric currents, the, the um, AFib and stuff like that with hydroxychloroquine. So but that, people freaked out about side effects on that. So how about remdesivir?
1: As I recall, um, the remdesivir side effects seem to be, uh, according to them, modest and manageable. That's probably in the eye of the beholder, but if like you know, a long
0: list on every drug commercial that I ever see, you might have a stroke, your eyes might fall out, your arms may yeah, fall off.
1: Exactly. So, but if if you know if your choice is uh, you know I'm going to die, or right. I'm going to have some sort of yeah. a side effect, you know I'll 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 risk the side effect. Right. But again, you know the benefit from Remdesivir, you know, is modest. The side effects may be modest, but it's always a benefit.
0: Right. At this point. Right, yeah. again, until they demonstrate um, lack of change of mortality. All right, right let's talk about hydroxychloroquine. Right. And I know there are several studies that have gone on, and it's hydroxychloroquine alone, which is plaquenil, the antimalarial,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then with the z is azithromycin, and then now also with doxycycline instead, a different antibiotic.
1: And, and zinc, now, one one of the original proponents of this said that zinc was an important a component for these things to uh, to work together as part
0: of the hydroxychloroquine as well, because I know think separately.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, okay. zinc, zinc as part of that uh, protocol. Together, may have some benefit. And again, the issue there is, it's likely that you need if it's going to have any effect, and it might. It needs. What's happened with all of these studies that have that have come out is that they're all apples and oranges.
2: Mm-hmm. They're
1: being given. To people who are intubated, they're giving people who are very sick and have pneumonia. There are people who are, most of them are in the hospital or in ICUs, and so um, and they're giving hydroxychloroquine versus chloroquine. Chloroquine is known to have more side effects than hydroxychloroquine. They're being given with or without um, azithromycin, azithromycin and so forth. So there are all these different combinations of things, and it's hard to know whether we just haven't been trying it in in the right uh, populations.
0: So do we have any idea what's working best at this point in time? Because, you know, there have been anecdotal stories about people who were given hydroxychloroquine. There was the, the, there um, was
2: several who, the who, woman who, from
0: Michigan, the state senator, whatever she was. Yeah. Um, and I know somebody also who took, who had it and it like it turned around very quickly. Um, exactly. So what's working the best? And again, I think that now they're talking about doing that at earlier stages of symptoms than at later stages.
1: If it's going to work at all, it's, right. you, it looks like you've got same thing. Uh, it's the same thing with Tamiflu. Remember, Tamiflu is the antiviral for for influenza. It yeah,
0: reduces the length for a couple of days.
1: Yeah, that's all I know. I mean, but antivirals have not been particularly effective. Uh, right. But if you're going to get those two days benefit out of, yeah. out of Tamiflu, you got to take it almost right it's away. It's our first symptom. Right. As soon as you start showing symptoms within those first 48 hours, otherwise, uh, don't don't bother with it. Some so people hard. as as a, a prophylactic to prevent if you know you've been, you know, exp- and you're at high risk for complications or whatever, and you know you've been exposed to the flu, you can take it as a prophylactic. Some people are talking about that with hydroxychloroquine uh, as well. If it's going to work, it's likely that you need to take it very early at at the earliest signs. And that's where we you want to talk about oximeters at one point as well. Right. Okay. So,
0: are there any any of the hydroxychloroquine studies mm-hmm. that are showing? I'll call it comparable promise to remdesivir. Because then there's the po- the politics of one yeah. one can make a whole lot of money, and one doesn't cost a lot of money, and right. has been manufactured for years and years and years.
1: Exactly. So, uh, t- you know, I. I, I The ones that have shown some sort of benefit, i.e., modest benefit, even um, have been kind of written off as anecdotal, not controlled studies, Mm or have been not double blinded, controlled, gold standard kind kinds of studies. You know, they've been hard to do because if you've got somebody who's uh, on their deathbed, and you know, you say, well. Do you want to be randomized into not getting a drug or getting something that might help you and probably doesn't have much in the way of, of side effects, which we should talk about, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go for the randomization. So yeah, there have been enough anecdotal studies and now there's, there's one on Long Island, as a matter of fact, that's being done that's going to look at it at a much earlier stage in a controlled uh, fashion uh, as well. And a few other people are are doing it. but. You know, there's enough anecdotal stuff there that probably indicates that there's some benefit. And the key is managing the potential serious side effect.
0: The, the uh, arrhythmia.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, and it's called a QT elongation in, in the, uh, you know, in a little EKG, mm-hmm. As part of that EKG uh, tracing. If it gets a little longer, that's where you can get into some very serious trouble. The thing is with that, if you are monitoring that with an EKG while the patient is taking it, you're staying on top of it, not saying, here's your hydroxychloroquine, go home and call me in a week and let's see if you're feeling better. You know, that that's not a good way to, to, to administer this drug. Also, azithromycin also is known to have some of these same cardiac effects. Uh, so you wanna be giving it in a, in a manner where the person is being has their EKG being monitored, and it looks like starts to show any lengthening of the qt interval you stop and then it's fine and it should be fine so then
0: then they've got halter monitors they have all these at-home heart machines
1: yeah there's a bunch of different you know things now that you can do or you know or you hospitalize
0: right but if you don't want to put everyone in the hospital because you need to do it earlier on theoretically you could send them home with a halter model or frankly there's a an attachment to the phone right you stick your right. fingers on there yeah
1: there's a bunch of different things and right. you know monitors that can actually send it out via your phone right away you know or, or, an old-fashioned holder monitor it takes it and then you have to download it and you know and, and you know now you can have it sort of immediately via your phone or whatever be sending it back you know every hour every six hours or whatever back right. to a you know a monitoring station that'll keep an eye on it for you Right, so we've
0: been talking for a very long
1: time.
0: Hmm? Oh, we've been talking for so long, and I are, are you still good? Is everybody I'm out good. there still good? Huh? I'm good. Okay, good. Cause I just I have a couple more things. And as long as anyone out there doesn't mind me still talking, because
1: this is you well, have, Stay where Jack, talk about something for one second. I'm gonna bring my oximeter. Okay. So you can uh, no, okay. <laughs> with that. I show <laughs> i don't talk about
0: this. Um, if anybody has questions, you know, send them on in. And again, there are a couple of questions that have come in that have been asking about, um, um, you know, kind of the the world. We talked a little bit. Someone asked about the virus remaining dormant in our bodies. I think we talked about that already. We're not sure. It's a novel vac- a novel um, virus. They just don't know yet how it's going to react. Whether it's going to your antibodies will stay with you. Whether or not it'll reactivate, they they just don't know at this moment in time. Um, is there a way to safely live and work with the virus without shutting down our economy? indefinitely? definitely my hope is to get to some moment with Max to talk about the opening up of this economy, um, right. and how that'll work. I was I was kind of going through some questions because when I looked down, I'm not really checking my uh, Facebook. There you go. Um, the, uh, you just, have had some questions coming in um, and, uh, you know, invite people to ask other questions. So you've got, so you all show about that and then I want to talk about zinc.
1: Good. So people talk about, um, uh, you know, we're talking about all of these things have to be started early, right? Whether it's hydroxychloroquine and remdesivir, or there are a bunch of other things. Um, And if you'll remind me, because let's do the oximeter, there's some significant cell-based therapies, NK cells, natural killer cells that are being tested against uh, COVID as well, uh, that may be almost no side effects and may be the most effective killers yet. Uh, for 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 this, but and that's a drug that would increase
0: the NK cells.
1: Um, no, these are NK cells, the generic NK cells. They you know they don't have to be type or blood type or anything else. That um, some companies have one, a couple of companies, but one in particular I'm thinking of has basically off the shelf, and they're given as an IV infusion. So
0: they're injecting NK cells injecting,
1: right. into someone's neck, and they go to where the trouble is, and right. you know, they kill the bad cells. Okay. So this, they they call this a pulse oximeter. I think you can, let's see if you can see it. I
0: think it. they stick on your finger at the
1: hospital. Right, they stick it yeah. on This was invented by a Japanese doctor who just last week died. Mm. Not, of, not, not, not of COVID. <laughs> it was in the 90s, I think. Right. It uses, you know, a little couple of different wavelengths of light. We've all seen it. You put it on your finger and it'll give you, there you go, your your, your pulse and... Uh, there's my heartbeat and it'll come back. It'll come up in a second. What's it say? I can't read it backwards.
0: 66 max. Well done. And you have, or is it 99? 66, Uh, your heartbeat is good. If it's 99 and it's your oxygen, you're still good. 99 is my
1: oxygenation. 75 is my, is my pulse.
0: I I was happy pulse was good. You've been (laughs) riding your bike. Okay.
1: So, so here's, here's the deal. If we're talking about finding these things early, turns out that your oxygenation level Maybe one of the earliest signs of a, of a COVID infection. Uh, you know, we're talking about taking people's temperature when they're coming into a building or something uh, to tell. Silly. It turns out very few, yeah, because now they have these sort of infrared scanners right. that even as you're walking in, it, it'll Amazon is now deploying these, it'll take your temperature without even you knowing it, uh, as you're walking past uh, an infrared scanner. But it turns out that probably the majority of people who get this infection don't even develop a fever.
0: And I've so, heard of people taking Tylenol because they had to get to work.
1: Right, and that's...
0: That's, that, even worse. that's yeah. a different discussion. But that's, you can game the system, and yes, a lot of people don't have a fever.
1: So they don't have a fever, so that's not gonna work. It turns out that a lot of people with COVID and COVID pneumonia get a blood oxygen level that is what normally would be considered lethal levels. But not below 90 not below 80, but sometimes in the 70s, 60s, I saw a picture of one young woman who was uh, on her phone texting to her friends and the monitor right above her had a, had a, a blood oxygen level of 54. Wow. That's normally, you're, you're, you're done. They'd be intubated. So it turns, and, and, but people don't feel, they call it a silent hypoxia. You don't have enough oxygen, but something in the virus, and it's a combination of a couple of different things, short circuits that sensation that makes you hungry for oxygen and for air, right? So it turns out that one of the earliest ways to figure this out is just check your blood oxygen level. Check that every day. I mean, you you saw it took 30 seconds, I can do it anytime. Um, These things, they may be sold out at the pharmacy, but you can get them, you know, online uh, easily enough. They're not cheap; they're like forty bucks, fifty bucks, somewhere around there. Um, but that may be one of the earliest signs as a as a pulse oximeter.
0: Will it be transient? Meaning, so if, will your blood oxygen drop temporarily, like every stuff so in your heart rate right, spike? Right? Will your blood oxygen be transient? Will it drop and come back, or will it stay low? So if I test it, and maybe like every so often, my you know my watch, my sports watch. Suddenly, I'm sitting, I'm fine, I'm relaxed, and it says I have a, you know, a heart rate of 112. Well, no, I don't. Well, um,
1: well that's, you, that's why you retest it. Right. Uh, you know, if, if it stays down when you've tried it, 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 you know, every once in a while. Actually, I've never really gotten a really low one in here, but if, you know, if you're getting below 95 or into the low 90s, when right. you want to start paying attention, and that's when you want to start retesting it a and few minutes it, later, an hour later, whatever. And And if it stays down,
0: yeah,
1: then call. They're calling the doctor.
0: Yeah, okay, super interesting. Thank you. How about zinc? Let's talk about zinc, um, which has been so talked about because, from my understanding, it it blocks the virus's ability to dig into the receptors.
1: I thought I had it here in my little bag of uh, things, but I didn't. But I do have, but I have been taking zinc actually. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it has a couple of different ways apparently that it that it works and and i'm not uh, i confess that this is one area where i'm not real knowledgeable about how how uh, zinc works except that it seems to be interfere i think with with the virus's ability to um attach to cells yeah
0: that's um, my understanding of it
1: yeah and so you know if it can't if you've got the virus, but if it's not attaching to the cell, to, you know, the cells lining the respiratory tract so that it can get in and take over uh, the manufacturing uh, capacity of your cells, I mean, it doesn't matter you have all the, you know, all the virus floating around, and it's not going to kill you.
0: So, we, so most importantly, I mean, every.
1: And it's a low, you know, it's a low, no side effect, basically, as long as you're know, not. Taking
0: everyone, we were talking before about, so we've got vaccines, we got tests, we got treatments. Prevention. This is something you could do, be doing prophylactically, preventatively, yeah. cheap as anything. Anyone can be taking it safely. You always check with your doctor. You can potentially interact with, who knows?
1: Yeah. But yeah. overall, yeah. huh? Yeah. You always want to let your doctor know what what you're taking.
0: I always say, always, no matter what, natural medicine is not do-it-yourself medicine.
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. And there's um, one more thing you can be taking to do it to to you know to help yourself out go vitamin D
0: mm-hmm.
1: Vitamin D turns out to be a very powerful immune system strengthener.
0: which they've known for a long time, but now they're seeing a correlation
1: with this. right, so you don't and I'm not talking about the four hundred international units that you get in you know your one a day vitamins. Uh, that may be enough to keep you from you know fracturing your bones and osteoporosis. It's not enough to what we're talking about here. you need to be taking probably at least a couple of thousand international units a day. And some people I know take many, much more than that. And, um, and that's pretty safe until you start getting into, you know, 10 or 20,000 units uh, a day. Uh, because uh, if you're a young person and you go out in the sunlight for half an hour, you've probably made 35,000 international units of vitamin D just from being out in the sun. But since most of us, especially now that we're quarantined, are not getting outside.
2: Right.
1: Or if we're getting outside, we're slathering ourselves with, you know, sunblock.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we're not getting the vitamin D. And almost everybody, that I, almost everybody in the northern hemisphere is vitamin D deficient anyway. Right. So that is a very powerful one. And I gotta, I'll tell you a little anecdote that, you know, I interview a lot of the very top and famous doctors uh, in New York and around the country. And uh, there were a couple of studies that came out some years ago about vitamin D levels in women with breast cancer. And they found that the women with the highest levels of vitamin D who had had breast cancer, the women with the highest levels were far less likely to have a breast cancer recurrence Mm. than the women who had low vitamin D levels. But, you know, pretty good indicator that vitamin D was doing something, was helping. So I asked the doctor, the couple of these oncologists, I said, you know, so are you recommending it to your patients? Now, now they might be five or eight, maybe even 10 years ago. They weren't. They said, well, we don't have enough studies. The data aren't in enough yet. You know, blah, 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 the usual stuff. And then I asked, well, are you taking it? Oh, yeah.
0: God, that makes me crazy. (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, I kind of understand why why they do it that way, but, but they
0: don't have their double-blind,
1: placebo-controlled, ginormous. They don't test. Have enough to you know, to recommend it, blah blah blah. But right. you know, I said, you're recommending it for your patients? No, not yet. Are you taking it? Oh yeah, right. So you know that that was it. I was sold. So
0: are so here's the question: Are doctors recommending people should be taking zinc and people should be taking vitamin D?
1: I and all, that all depends on what time you know who you talk to. Right.
0: But it's out there and it's again low risk. You don't want to drink a bottle of vitamin D. You don't want to eat a bottle of it, but three to five thousand I use a day, I think, is kind of what the standard
1: That's that's pretty safe.
0: Right. Which will keep and, and if you
1: miss a day, it doesn't really matter because it's what's called fat soluble. Right. You store it anyway, so so you're fine. I'm eating
0: fat anyway, sitting at home. So
1: yeah. the zinc you do have to take every day because that you know, it just flushes out of your system.
0: Well, and also people can get outside, as you said. In thirty-five minutes, you're getting quite a quite a dose of it. But nonetheless, yeah, to take. Although it. as
1: you as you get older, you you don't you don't make as much right. vitamin D in response to the sun. But um, so it's you know these are tiny little tiny little capsules right, that you can take. Yeah, Would and th- talk about killer cells. Uh,
0: you- we're talking talk about killer cells. You want to talk about? I was just gonna like because I've had you on for so long. Um, States are reopening. Can the system handle it? Like that, everybody's got all this fear about the mini spikes. You know, what's your what's your crystal ball? It's gonna. People are gonna get it again. Like, how? What should people? How should people like think about life now? Max's philosophy on.
2: Yeah, I've never
0: been asked. Part of it is really, can the system handle these spikes? You know that two. We've been. You know, two months ago. We were flat-footed coming out the door, but now they've got their PPEs. They are understanding more how to treat people when they come in. They're, you know, they Let's s- talk
1: about New York first because that's, you know, that's really. I hate to use the term ground zero when I, you know, when we refer to New York, but this is this was the place where it, it really ravaged the system, um, and um, I don't think we're quite ready to quote unquote open up in New York yet. I think we need to really get it to where it's a a really a little bit lower and manageable state. We have to rebuild our supplies of PPEs, of medications. Uh, We have to make sure, you know, we also have to give give ourselves a chance to consolidate the knowledge that we've been picking up from everything that's happened in this battlefield medicine time. That we've been going through for the last two or three months which when it comes to medicine you know that's less than a blink of an eye so and that's why you've heard and i've heard and i always and i get emails saying we've tried bicarbonate of soda we've tried asthma medicines we've tried zinc hydro hydroxychloroquine we've tried uh, remdesivir we've tried oh god i can't even think of all of the different things some of them a little crazy but they you know doctors have been throwing because we didn't have anything literally the kitchen sink right this disease and hoping to see what sticks so we need a little period of consolidation for one thing to sort of take a deep breath and evaluate what seems to have made a difference and what was just anecdotal so that's one part of it we but they're to-
0: understanding it though max they're able to handle. they're handling the people there are hospital beds that are available they got right mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. having the ventilators, knowing now that rushing people with a low blood oxygen onto a ventilator may not be the best thing in the world. That may actually be counterproductive. For some people, they still need it. But as I said, we have some people who have very low blood oxygen and they don't have that, that air hunger. Uh, so slapping a tube down their throat may not be the best idea. So we need a chance to figure out and and again, as I said, rebuild the the stockpiles of, of PPEs and of medicines and, and beds and stockpiles of, of people who are who have been literally as if they were on the front lines in Vietnam doing battlefield trauma medicine now for the last couple of months. These people need a break.
2: Yeah, you
1: know? they, to, they, they just need a chance to like decompress. They've all got PTSD. Oh, sure. Right. I don't care what they say. They've all got PTSD.
0: I think even normal people have PTSD from this. I think that that people are so fearful and we've instilled such fear into people over this. Absolutely.
1: So so I don't think in New York, for example, we're quite there yet. In places where, you know, the curve has been really flat and very low for a while. But you can't, people have used the term, you can't flip a switch and say, okay, everything, you know, we're open and let's go back you got to do it smart, stepwise. You figure what are the lower risk things that we can do to open it up. And then you stop. And you pause. Right. Because you're not going to see immediately whether that was a good idea or a bad idea.
0: No, because it takes two to four weeks for it to incubate. Exactly.
1: It takes a while for that to to show up to find out whether that was a great idea or not a great idea. Are the people who went out to get haircuts, which I I could use. You ought to see the curls back here. You know, was there a spike in those people who you know in in in, in COVID nineteen in those people? So you do a few things, a few small things. You start out slow. Pause, evaluate. What happened? Is there things that we should do a little differently? Can we manage it a little differently for our next step? And then let's take another step, and then uh, and then another step. I agree. We've got to you know do something to to get back to work. But, you know, you got to do it. You got to do it smart. If we try to flip the switch and say, "Okay, guys, knock yourselves out, go for it," we're going to lose everything that we gained over the last three months, and we're going to go back. We're going to go backwards, and it'll be one step forward and two right. or three steps backwards. And that's that's not going to help anybody, and it's certainly not going to help the, the the economy.
0: Right. I got that. So one um, well, Let me just clarify. Someone was asking. It's a pulse oximeter, right? Is what you're talking about the oxygen?
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: pulse oximeter okay
1: who, mine's lovely in pink yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a powerful man to to man man enough to have all, a thing. all sorts of different all sorts of different colors and things and um i gotta tell you this is um one of the uh, cheapest easiest things that you can do to, to kind of keep an eye on yourself
0: well and again i mean from what you're saying and what i've read and what we've talked to other experts the zinc and the vitamin d seem again right. so easy so so protective and such a basic, simple, inexpensive thing mm-hmm. to be able to. We sell it, we have a you know, bottom line wellness store to make things easy. Zinc is mm-hmm. so cheap, people, <laughs> compared to a lot of other supplements. It's like 10 bucks or 12 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not
1: a lot of money. Um, yeah, and, and what was it? And there was one other quick thing. I oh, and so for now, still, if you're going out, wash your hands, wear the mask for now. Gloves if you're going to be touching a lot of a lot of stuff in the grocery store where you don't know what people have been touching that sort of a thing. You don't have you don't have to go nuts. Right.
2: Um,
1: you know, my uh, significant other here, uh, you know, would hose me down with a steam uh, gun uh, if she had if she had a choice. She right. she'd watch she'd wash bananas in Lysol uh, after right. after they were peeled if she had a, if she had her way. So you don't have to go crazy, but ninety percent plus of what you're going uh, of how you're going to catch this is breathing it in, getting it in your eyes, your nose, your mouth,
2: mm-hmm.
1: from touching your face and from breathing it in from some Yahoo who coughed or sneezed uh, near you. Right. so the the mask is mostly to keep from getting other people sick because you don't know if you're sick. You might be sick and infected and you know and be spreading it. But it, you know it lets people know hey, I'm taking this seriously, and you guys stay far enough away from me. And that really will minimize this, and this is what's, what's been working.
0: And again, people that are putting gloves on, they do you no good if you still touch yourself like you have your hands.
1: Right, right, yeah. If you're wearing gloves and then you go, let me rub my – I've got something in my eye, you know, <coughs> and that <laughs> hasn't done you hasn't done you any good. If I've, if I've gone to the grocery store across the street, which I do like once every two weeks is the only time I, I let myself out to do that, um, I come back f- from wearing the gloves. I wash the gloves first right. and then take them off and then wash my hands. Yes. And we're good.
0: Gotcha. Um, someone was asking, do you have, this isn't your, your necessary belly but do you have a dose of zinc that people are generally taking?
1: Uh, you probably have a, I, a better handle on that. I'm trying to remember what I have in my...
0: I'm, I'm saying it's 20 to 50.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but I'm trying to remember like if it's what's prophylactic and then if you get it, um, I know that when we did our, I'll tell everybody in podcast land that we did a, um, a podcast with Jake, uh, t- a podcast and, and Facebook Live with Jake Teitelbaum, and we talked about immunity and we talked about some of this mm. and in the treatments one. Um, so Jake referred to that. And I want to say that it was like, jump up to 50 if you get it.
1: I think I've been taking 50, actually. Yeah. I think 50 is what I- is But it's what very hard to
0: overdose on it.
1: Yeah. You can take, you know, twenty. they, they come in 25 and 50s, basically, is what you'll see on- in. In the you know drugstore or online, yeah.
0: and even if t- check your multivitamins. If you're taking multivitamin multimineral, right. a lot of them will have. I think they're usually like 15 milligrams. In, in, yeah. in, uh, I don't know if that's you know per or per, per the daily dose. Um, so, all right, Dr. Max Gomez, you are so great and so smart, and I really oh, I I'm so sorry that I took up so much right. of your time, but thank you.
1: I enjoy it because it's so hard for me in my minute and a half, two minutes that I get every every night. Uh, on a topic on, on on CBS, and in fact, let's see, it's five nineteen. I should be on in about ten or fifteen minutes. Actually, on channel. Lucky two. I got you off. <laughs> yeah, in, well, I'm all, no. I've already I already recorded it, so that, okay. that no. Otherwise, I'd be much more nervous. Um, it uh, you know I don't really get a chance to really explain these things right. and to really tell people you know what I really think about. I, I think we're wasting a lot of our time I think we should be pursuing vaccines it's not going to be the panacea and the answer you know and that we need to spend more time on treatments and what are the treatments and how I don't get a chance to really do that and explain that so this is what I I like to do this
0: well I will you come back and talk to me again then anytime all right and as you know what because you're so cutting edge I I can't nearly keep up with you in terms of what you're always aware of Mm -hmm. Um, so you know Come on back, we're we're doing this regularly, and I think it's been really great.
1: I'd love to do it, especially if we start getting some real developments here. I'd love to do it.
0: Great, awesome. All right, thank you so much. See you soon, my friend. I'm talking to Dr. Max Gomez, award-winning medical journalist about truth versus fiction with regard to covid 19 spread, treatments, testing, vulnerabilities, and more. Getting information readers can trust from the world's top insiders is core to how our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, helps people do better and feel better. Dr. Gomez is one of thousands of top experts who have appeared in Bottom Line Personal, not just in healthcare, but in all aspects of life, including financial planning, great gift ideas, how to save money on travel, insurance snafus, smart tax strategies, improving your relationships, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people live more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book bottom line's best bets full of some of our experts greatest tips of all time just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast that's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast